0: Hi, this is Andrew Farris, and you've been listening to Hayden and Bees. Welcome to Wherever You Are, Part One.
1: Well, hello, and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my InXS nerd, Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh so much more.
2: Well, welcome to this Access All Areas episode seventy-six. The podcast aimed to dive deep into this legendary band, bring a community along for the ride, get them into the Hall of Fame, and have a lot of fun. Be which we definitely do as we speak. How are you? How's your In excess week been?
1: My excess week was brilliant at the weekend. It was amazing. Thank
2: yes, you. Shall, we shall elaborate on that because it was an experience that uh, listeners will get a taste of later on. Uh, we have two special guests today that we are looking forward to chatting and going through all the details and things like that. So can't wait, can't wait for that. But uh, we had a lot of responses last week, B, I know we're not quite skipping to fan engagement, but we did our welcome to wherever you are review and... Uh, We were pretty uh, strong about our opinions on that and uh, people responded accordingly. Some agreed with us, some didn't. Um but overall, I think a lot of fans out there love this uh, particular album.
1: Yeah, a lot, a lot of people. In the Hutch Nation page, I've started a poll. I'm yep. not going to read out any of the results yet. So if no. anybody would like to go onto the Hutch Nation Facebook page and you'll find it on there, what I'll do is I'll pin it to the top. So if you go I did on- vote, B. You did, good. Yes. Um, I did make the mistake of saying your best and your worst. and so I just hope that people haven't clicked both of those because that will make that higher so mm. i hope you can all work that out i'm sure you're all clever but so put something moment, out there that was
2: yeah. sort of like what is your favorite song off the album what's made mm-hmm. the song not so strong um, yeah and yeah. just getting people participating i guess but a lot of people you know might have mm. clicked but a lot of people also wrote underneath didn't they yes that's you? right
1: yes yeah. that's given me a lot so i'll read that out next week because um i'd like a few more of you fans to go on to that
2: yeah, well look, it was, it was interesting, a lot of the songs there that, that were, were highlighted And even people started talking about Full Moon Dirty Hearts after you post today Because I think it's mm. the, we should say, Happy Birthday Full Moon Dirty Hearts 29 years at the day of recording today, Bea, yeah. you put that out there on Twitter
1: Yes, yes, and there's a few birthdays this week as well
2: lots of birthdays this week Laurie's we
1: birthday this yeah. week, yay, yay. Yeah, and it's my wedding anniversary tomorrow. Oh, my
2: goodness poor oh, guy. Well hey, such a thirty-six <laughs> or thirty-seven years.
1: Huh, Twenty-six years. 20,
2: oh sorry.
1: Twenty-six yeah. years of togetherness. Fantastic. <laughs>
2: um, yeah.
1: six, I think it's six. No, oh, it might, might be even longer, actually. I think it's twenty-seven.
2: <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Okay. So this I don't is know, okay. I, I, We
1: got together when we were very, very, very young. <laughs> yeah.
2: Fantastic. You got around uh, together around the ex elden time, I think, didn't you? Is that right? Maybe yeah. about five years before there, 1990, 91?
1: We, um, 94. 94. Think. Okay, great. Yeah.
2: Strangest party. Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> a
1: very strange party.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we are very excited about, as I said, going through the Welcome album last week, and uh, we will elaborate a bit more in a moment about this week's episode, which we're pumped about. I guess we just thought we might just raise just one little thing. B. We've been really overwhelmed with the response to the, you know, eventual fan campaign initiative, which was episode 74, where Not Enough Time is going to be our spearhead song to get uh, the band back into the the Mm -hmm. singles charts uh, and acknowledge welcome and also, you know, provide a, a, a... a lovely little sort of um, uh, memory of one of Michael's great vocals. And uh, I guess people have be very, very effervescent in their replies and working 10 moves ahead of you and I. Jeez, they,
1: yeah, no, it's good though. So we, we, we probably think the there. best
2: advice we can give to everybody at the moment is just uh, hold your horses a little bit. Um, it is something that's going to, uh, you know, we're going to have a, a bit of a, a nine to 10 month uh, lead up period, but um you know,
1: living the ideas, tu- living the ideas. Yeah, yeah. We? we are
2: touched by people being really excited by things. And if there are some information and things like that that you know you want to go ahead and research to help, we're definitely really keen. I think the, the critical part we're going to work on a little bit is the the behind the scenes accreditation that is when to when do we buy the song. How does it sort of work for overseas purchases of an Australian song? Well, sorry, an, uh, an iTunes song from Australia for an overseas purchaser. Uh-huh. So we want to get the metrics right to make the exercise worthwhile. So we think yeah. that's the important starting point. But I think getting a, a wider discussion out there, be is something we're very much appreciative of.
1: Yes. Thank you, everybody, for being so kind.
2: Yeah.
1: And helping uh, us as well. That's really good.
2: Yeah. And um, I know we're going to talk a little bit later about the fan packs with be, but that's definitely blown up, hasn't it, with a lot of Ooh. people uh, uh, being very, very keen on those. And you've put a little YouTube thing up about the fan packs. I well, think, uh, or I, must, might
1: have. I must correct that, actually. The um, video that's on our YouTube channel was when we auctioned off the vintage pack um, that, Mary Fern, but was complete. Now the one that we are going to be selling to the patrons first, and then it will be going onto the website. Um has a few things a little bit different. It's diff- Right, okay. Okay, yeah. which is good. It's good. Yeah. But we've also got other things that will be coming later that you can add to this.
2: And I was Actually, excited you said so- that before the show because there are a lot of collectors out there, and, you know, we've got mm-hmm. a lot of excess collectors on alternate sort of sites, but uh, within our access, you know, to the ban of being in Australia and getting things signed and uh, rating the collective merchandise of some, and we, we were very kindly uh, the recipients of about, 30 uh, Kirk uh, plectrums uh, from his guitar collection he sent to us very kindly. So we're going to be getting some of those out um, as giveaways to our loyal patrons and a few little comps as well for those too.
1: How cool to put those into your collection. If you've got one of these (laughs) fan kits, you can just add all these things. It's like a gatefold that's just going to be like, I I think it's brilliant. If you've got a loved one out there wants to buy you a Christmas present, this is it. This is the present.
2: And apparently, those plectrums be if you, as soon as you just start strumming, you go into like a Kirk solo for Devil Inside of that you're even doing anything, really? it does it for you.
3: Oh. Yeah, it's
2: like Guitar Hero, you just strum it, and suddenly, you know, that <laughs> solo of Devil Inside You've comes out it. of your fingers.
1: <laughs> and congratulations to Peter and and uh, Ali, they received a really lovely message from Kirk as well. Yeah. Yeah. They were over the moon. And yeah. on the back of that, we've got some new fans, um, well, some new listeners. So, we'd like to say hello to all of Ali and Peter's friends.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't there a movie called Peter's Friends?
1: What was that?
2: Oh, yeah, wow. there How you was go. That? Our English people might know that was in the oh. early nineties. But uh, but that aside, that brings us into patrons. B, I believe we yeah. have a couple of new patrons we're going to be adding to the mix. Is that right?
3: We
1: do. We've got well, Manny Grillo has been. We've been speaking to him for a, quite a while, and he's now become patron. He actually does a WordPress blog about in excess. He's been doing an ABC, so we'll get that onto our face. Uh, yeah, onto our Facebook page, so you can all see that. And then there's a. A gorgeous girl called Laurie Taffelmeyer, and she's come to us via Twitter. So hi to both of you.
2: I'm very impressed with the pronunciation of the surname, B because I was struggling on that. So well done.
1: <laughs> Thank you. You're like me, isn't it?
2: And we've got two Lauries in the house now. Have we, we got room do. for that?
1: We <laughs> do. We do. Oh, yes. But, yeah, Professor Laurie, we'll have to call her from now on.
2: Yes. Yes, fantastic So, um, but that takes us into our overall patron list To uh, make this thing and make this podcast tick around So over to you, B. I'd
3: like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway Let's all say hello to everybody outside It's
1: about 10,000 people at least Hello Hello to our honorary members Nick Egan, Mark Opitz, Cameron Adams, and Mary Woods. Also to our gorgeous patrons. Sue D, Joe Robbins, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie-Anne, Danielle, Sarah Markham, Sarah Camia, Dr. Jim, Katie, Felicia, Lisa Mack, Lisa Urban, Lisa Calloway, and Marie. Susan P, Susan B, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy, Matt. Linda, Vern, Yvonne, Caroline, Amanda H, Amanda V, Leon, David, Tracy, Paul Jolie, Paul Boozy, Paul Bridges, Paul Buckley, Sandrine, Warren, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Stefan, Val, Jim, Matey, Kelly, John, Jackie, Sean, Sheila, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, Glenn, Laurel, Ace, Bart, Genevieve, Ali, Shelby, Manny and Laurie. Welcome to the party!
2: Patron is just growing big, which we're very pumped about, and um, yeah, we, we're continually trying to find a way to give value, you know, to the patrons, and uh, uh, I know last week we had carrie Ann on about uh, that concert there, I think in the Hague there, uh, Yeah. like Thieves Day, so a lot of our patrons are getting that sort of free download sent to them and things as well, so uh, we're constantly sort of coming up with different new things, not just the basics, so uh, become a patron. What do you think? Uh,
1: oh, have you heard it yet? Have you
2: listened? <laughs> I haven't heard it yet. I haven't. I don't know if it's been sent to me, but- you yeah, know. yeah,
1: it's in I our drive, wait. but I'll, we'll make sure you, you've got a copy yeah. soon. But it's yeah. brilliant. You feel brilliant. like you're right at that concert, right at the very front.
2: Absolutely. Well, this part of the sort of intro, we like to give a bit of a hint of the topic of the week. And uh, mm. as we uh, have put out in our little press releases within uh, our platforms, uh, we're very, very excited and uh, I guess overwhelmed to have uh, Andrew Ferris come on to the podcast today. Uh, and along with Mark Opitz, we are going to dive deep into Welcome to Wherever You Are. Um, but one of the exciting things is that we do know uh, both gentlemen uh, are very keen to sort of not just confine the chat to the Welcome album. So uh, I got a feeling we may diverge or divert into some uh, tangents. B. and it might be the longest album review we've ever done. Uh, <laughs> I can feel it being a three episode album review. What do you think?
1: <laughs> I think he takes his hat off for us, and it's he does. yeah, it is. It is well let's just have a listen yeah. later on
2: we'll, we'll what time it on. is it for now time for the news
4: hi it's dave from england and you're listening to in excess access all areas with hayden and B. and now it's time for the news
2: All right. We're going to be punched with the news today. We've got plenty, but we want to get to our guests. So uh, very much off the top, we've got the charts, which is a bit of a downer. Gone from 44 outside the top 50B. So uh, everybody, do your thing. Okay. Maybe we get get welcome into the charts. (gasps) We'd take that, wouldn't we?
1: We'd take that as well. (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah, we'd taste that. We'd
1: taste that.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, come on, guys. Everybody, the greatest hits, very best of. Get y- your downloads going.
1: All you uh, new let's... people, make sure that you buy it for your granny and your grandpa and Correct. your cousins.
3: Yes.
2: Now, we have a guy by the name of Teddy Richards. Now, that's not the ex-football player who played AFL in Australia. That's the son of Aretha Franklin. There was a cool little article this particular week, and we might hit up Andrew on this, but the son of uh, Aretha, I think as we discovered a a few episodes ago, was living with Andrew, I think in the uh, late 90s there Mm or mid-90s there in in, uh, England. And it looks like he's going to be releasing, I think it's his second album is going to be coming out uh, sometime next year. But I believe there's about twelve songs on there that are co-writes with Andrew. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to know more about that. But um, uh, again, another platform for Andrew to uh, get his yeah. songcraft out. Yeah. Uh, thank you to all the patrons and all the contributors. They're sort of quick draw McGraw now. Um, it's like sort of like fast finger first, isn't it, for the oh. uh, the, the new cover version? So, Limp Biscuit, oh. one of the worst names for a band, but not a bad band. Uh, they have done a cover of "Don't Change," and all our patrons and everybody were all over it. Poor Foxy, she was about eighth in the uh, line. I oh no, uh, bless her. Revealing it, so uh, Foxy, we, we, you know, I was about. I think she's having a granny nap, bless her. <laughs> but um, for those who don't know, Limp Biscuit, they were pretty big in sort of the the nineties, early two thousands. Oh, chocolate.
1: Chocolate starfish and, and the 46, hot dog flavored
2: water. Yeah,
1: 46 times. Oh, right. I love that. That's that was used to be my uh let's let's clean the apartment
2: well, <laughs> song. Well, they uh they've got a, an album come out and they've taken the piss out of themselves. I do like the album title, it's called Still Sucks <laughs> because everyone used to say they knew Limp could suck, so they're just having a bit of a laugh at themselves. They on them, yeah. Bit of a message to Nico back there, okay. But uh, they uh, have done a cover of Don't Change. It's a very, uh, well, I'd say a faithful cover. It's actually, you know, more of a slowed down version, not too dissimilar to, you know, the Andrew Kirk composition mm. that was on the original Sin It's
1: just stripped back, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Mm. But they also did a Who cover back in, uh, I think it was 2003, uh, of a song called Behind Blue Eyes. So they've already got some history here of actually taking a certain song and stripping it back. But um, great to know that, you know, uh, NXS's music is living on uh, through these releases. Also, too, there is a remix going around by a gentleman called Hugo Villanova. Now, he's from Portugal, Pedro, if you're out there. He's from mm-hmm. Lisbon, though. He's done a remix version of Mystify, which uh, if you go to Hugo Villanova, that's V-I-L-L-A, Villa, and Nova is in star, Nova, N-O-V-A. It's not groundbreaking by any measurement. It's actually quite faithful to the original, but it's got some nice little dance flourishes with it too. So mm-hmm. uh, you can check that one out. Also too, uh, a lot of the John Stevens gigs, some of the ones have been changed here in Victorian Melbourne to different dates and things. I think in February, Um, I would check all your national guides because he's doing a lot of gigs, but there's some that have changed. So for the Noise Works in Access collection, uh, a lot of people are going to that, and some people miss that gig because of COVID. Uh, so I would be out there checking uh, your local guides. The new sensation guys are over in North Perth on January 22, that famous day, January 22, the That's date of, uh, if of Michael's birthday. Yeah. So uh, there could be a Media Wars cover band uh, yeah. uh, trade-off with the What You Need boys over there because they sort of think they own Perth for in excess covers, but New Sensation are coming to town to take on the What You Need boys for a cover-off, B.
3: You
1: mean the Don't Change boys?
2: No, this is the New Sensation oh. boys. Are, oh, my. Yeah, the, what, the, what, the What You Need is the Perth Tribute Act. They've yeah. generally done a lot of gigs, but the New Sensation uh, Can't keep act, up
1: with some more. I know, they're all out there everywhere. Yeah. Because yeah. I heard from Blair, um, Blair's coming to Coughs, woohoo, to Mooney oh. Tavern on this on the second uh, okay. of Jan, no, second of February. So I've got to get a big party together of people.
2: We're going to have a little truncated version of Media Wars today without the sound bite, okay? Because we do want to get into our interview. But uh, Timmy did pop up, Timmy Farris did pop up on Triple M this week for about one minute and 22 seconds, minus mm-hmm. ads. So it was about maybe it was about 15 seconds of Timmy, but he did get on there and talk about uh Oztober and Rocktober here in yeah. Australia. Yeah. And he was on there saying that he really rates the Divinals as Divinals. one of the Australian bands with mm-hmm. Chrissy Amphlett and the song I Touch Myself, uh, mm-hmm. which uh. Uh, I guess, was a hit around the world. So there's a little bit of Timmy there and uh, little Andrew, not to be outdone. He's on our podcast today, trumping that one. Uh, But Andrew uh, gave a 23-minute podcast to uh, a gentleman called Baxi's Musical Podcast, which is, I think, it might be an American or Canadian one. And he's done a little bit of an interview on that. Look, stick with ours. I think we might be better. Yeah, much better. Um, We've got a lot more to talk about. But that's the news of the week, B. Hey this is Tim
0: Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up.
1: Hi, this is Ella from Nivelborough in the Netherlands. You're listening to Inexcess Access All Areas with Hayden and B and now it's time for the topic of the week.
2: First of all, if I can uh, just uh, say a, a quick thank you for being able to jump on, Andrew. We put the feelers out to uh, somebody in your life who's been very helpful to us over the last few months and uh, she must be persuasive to get you on in 48 hours' notice. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Hey, you're welcome, So I hope you're both well. And, uh, you know, I I know that um, I'm not alone by saying that uh, we really appreciate, you know, all that you do to, to help everything, you know, well, continue on that we did all those years ago. I mean, it uh, really astounds me. I'm sure, you know, Mark, not just within Excess, but in his career too, has worked with so many amazing artists, and you know, from different sort of, you know, different music genres and in different countries. It's not lost on you after a while. When people continue to be interested in artists years later, It's it's funny, isn't it, Mark? Because as time goes on, you think, at First, you think no one will anyone really ever care about this? And when
4: you're actually talking about it down the track, you're like, This is actually incredible that I'm still any of this is still relevant at all. It's true, Andrew. Like in my case, and, and in yours to a degree, but in my case, it's it's um, the further time's gone on, the better I look. Yeah, you know? <laughs> you know? yeah I'm talking about career wise, a blessing. You know, you put that down to the internet, or whatever, etc. But And then people putting two and two together, you know. Um, So I'm blessed, you're blessed, and the fact is your music stands the test of time. That's it. And, and you know, and that's what, you know, you always set out to do with your music was not so, oh, it's got to stand the test of time, but it comes from you honestly. And anything that's honest, bingo, that stands the test of time. Brilliant. Just brilliant. I'm not telling you anything I've said to you before. But.
1: And we think you're brilliant, so we did a podcast on you.
4: Thank you, oh, you know, Mark,
0: for those kind words and and B. But I did listen, I did my homework. I oh, did. thank you. <laughs> and Marlena said, now, you've got to listen to what these guys have been doing. And, and there was a couple of moments there I, I was sort of, uh, well, both found kind of humorous between you, Hayden, and, and Um, You know, but, and that's, that's the interesting thing. I'd like to, to say this right up front, that if you <laughs> ask me and then you'd ask, you know, one or two or three of the other band members, We're all going to give you, probably even Mark, a slightly different version of the same story. And a lot of it's usually got to do with it's not that you sort of, you're not appreciative or you don't, you know, you were, you weren't there. It's your understanding of the events that took place at the time and why things unfolded the way they did. And some of the reasons, you know, because I was listening to, what you guys were talking about, and I was sort of smiling to myself, going, "They're almost right with that, but not quite." You know? <laughs> um, but no, but if that's right. I'd say it was a pretty good job.
2: There you go. <laughs> no, no, you're so, is, is there a specific example you can share, Andrew? <laughs> I
0: think. It, how do you? Well, I, sorry, I answer your question with a question. Um, how do you suggest we approach this track by track?
2: Because that. Yeah. Answer. Okay. So, well, sorry. he's got a
1: running list. Go ahead.
2: I, I am a little bit OCD with these structures and things like that, and I was mentioning to be that way we would like to do today is first of all, is, you know, say hello and thank you for getting on. But we we would like to take the unique opportunity of going through track by track, as I said, to sort of be before we press record and had Mark on. Uh, we think this is sort of probably in excess as Mona Lisa, and I think you know we'll talk a bit later about it was probably a little bit misunderstood at the time. But we think that uh, where Mark came in on and the, the pride that Mark has uh, shared with us before about the album and. And all band members seem to really revere this album strongly. We 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 want a deep dive into every a track in order. And and we gave our fan view last week, be it appreciation or, you know, our interpretation of the songs. But, you know, that's just, you know, we're the external audience. Uh, we'd love to hear, you know, what went into each song and the recording and uh, were there anything that we said last week that was similar to your thoughts or even different, as you said, to, to the recording, you know?
4: Mm. No, I thought I thought that review was like Andrew. I listened to it, and, and I'm probably thinking of the same things that Andrew's thinking of. You know, hopefully, we we'll chuckle about. I tell you what, I did like. I love the interlude, <laughs> the <vinyl. laughs> and from an
0: entertainer point of view, why not? Like, you know, why not entertain <laughs> people? And it, and it would probably give them. You know, internationally, the idea that you're not necessarily coming from a great height, but you're down with everybody else because <laughs> you can have a laugh at it. You know, and I think that's quite smart, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah. the old
2: days of having to get off your butt and turn the record over and then go and sit back down wasn't interlude in itself, wasn't it? It was,
0: and and I, I you know, at the risk of being verbose, which I've been accused of before, that I, I would add that when Marlena and I, uh, you know, first got to know each other and I was meeting her family over in, um, in the United States, in Ohio. And I would go uh, over quite often to a big shopping mall there called The Green uh, in, in Kettering, near Kettering. Books and Co. would have a small area uh, devoted to uh, vinyl. And then years later, I'd go back there again, and there's this big, massive section of vinyl, and I'd be with her uh, nephews and you know nieces and all that, and there were all these young kids are really excited about vinyl. I thought this is really intriguing, and again, I'm being verbose, but I'll, I'll go there anyway. I was walking down the beach once, and um, uh, when I lived near the beach, I don't know anymore, and I, a lady was taking out a box of uh, jewel cases for CDs, and I said um, you might want to hang one of those, and she said why on earth would I do that? I, I don't. I don't need these anymore. It's all on my phone. And I said, I see. You've got a record collection on on your phone. She said, yeah, can I see it? Um, And she said, no, no, well, what do you mean? it's in here. And I said, well, I can't see it. I'm sorry. It's like the emperor's new clothes. (laughs) It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that the thing is with vinyl is that it's tangible and it's real and you buy it and you own it. Mm -hmm. Just like anything that you buy that's tangible and physical. Mm -hmm. And in the era we're living in, more and more and more as I get older, and I see people. You know, we're all yeah, we're talking to each other. This amazing technology and all the rest of it, but the physicality of things is disappearing. And I find it intriguing because I work in agriculture, where everything is tangible and everything is real. And you've got to be careful. There's you know, Occupational health and safety regulations—all sorts of things are going on all the time that are not digital. Normally, maybe a phone call or something, photograph, whatever. But in the world we're talking about now, in entertainment with vinyl and the digital realm, and you know, like with with uh, you know these big, huge corporations going into public companies and all the rest of it, and. What we only have now is the right to access information. Mm-hmm. You don't actually own a record collection at all unless it is vinyl or CDs. And I hope and think and pray in many ways that the younger generation wakes up to this idea that they need to own something, that, that it's not just, oh, you know, granddad or dad or mum's thing. It's actually it's
2: their generation that's going to be impacted, too. Yeah. Um, when you tried as a kid to put a record on, we were not allowed to. I mean, you had the uh, the plastic sleeve, you had this beautiful record, you had the turntable and the needle, and it was something an adult had to do and you had to be taught how to do it.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: it almost sort of from an early age made us value a, a vinyl-type oh, yeah. record, Andrew. Sure. Well, it's the same with the transition from
0: when you are miming to your favourite band or artist with a... A tennis racket and then one day you better have the opportunity to use a real (laughs) instrument it's the same sort of thing you go this is real and I have to work out how to to play this instrument if I can or you know but it's the physicality of it and it's the same thing with a lot of modern production of music and, and the distribution of music right Mark is all about you know pushing buttons and you know um, you know you, you people win Grammys from using you know uh, programs on, on on laptops and things as opposed to sort of old school mm-hmm. um, you know in- well,
4: in Grammys
0: yeah sure and and, and, and and that's great I should add uh, that, uh, that's not a jealousy thing or I'm not uptight about that mm-hmm. that's amazing uh, but but I think what I'm trying to say is that I think that the process still exists where um, someone had to create, the music samples in the first place, or create the song, or create there's a creativity element to it that, like you said, uh, Hayden, that just putting a vinyl record on, you know, you're taught to do it. Well, it's the teaching of these things, you know, and the sharing to to a younger generation that some of them are, are having to reverse engineer how it is they came to be able to use a laptop to put the music together in the first place.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. And the vinyl album, the visuals as well, that's got lost It's That's sad the, Well, for well, the imagery, it's like you, you're listening yeah. to it And you're doing other things And you're probably not listening to the music as much as you should When you used to sit down and listen to your record
4: you, you brought up a good point um, in the Welcome to Wherever You Are broadcast Of last week <laughs> uh, when I was listening to it it's the, the running orders of, of, of albums uh, you know was brought up and we come from an era you know where you want you know to get the running order just right because it's part of the story part of the package it's holding like when i was a kid holding sergeant peppers in my hand a brand new copy was an, an exciting feeling mm. and then to turn it over and read wow look i can read all the words and these are the people, there's George Martin, there's Jeff Emmerich or Rich, whoever else was on the record and look at those photos. And it This was a thing. It, it was bigger than the music that was on the record, but the music on the record was part of it. Mm. But the whole thing was it, you know. It's the
1: package, isn't it? The, the I mean, whole package.
4: It, oh, it, it was an experience really, wasn't it? It, it was a yeah.
1: gatefold one.
4: It, it was a story in itself, everything, you know, every album, you know, and well, at least the albums I tried that's what I tried to make Welcome to Through Everywhere The Bar With Eastwood tracks running to each other And do all that sort of stuff You know And that's the problem now You know we've, We're in an era where As you mentioned You don't even get We put the last track on there for a reason As a closer As you so rightfully said Hayden We bookended the album But these days A lot of people wouldn't get to Song 12 No There's no one that gets it Because all you're doing now Is adding to your collection. Adding to your your collection in your database of music, one song at a time, two songs at a time. Yes, if you've done a film soundtrack, boom, the whole soundtrack can go up there. Yes, if you're a big band touring, boom, we can put a best of album out there or a new album. But for other people, it's more beneficial, particularly newer bands, just to do four tracks at a time, two tracks at a time, et, et cetera. So that whole delivery system changed. But thankfully, the music hasn't.
2: Well, I think the sequencing was, uh, you know, something we tried to relate last week with questions opening, men and women ending, a, a quiet bit in the middle with four or five of the songs, sort of more of a quiet nature, some front-ended sort of singles and things like that. The sequencing I thought was great and the segueing of, which I guess we'll go into a moment, which is questions into Heaven Sent, it's sort of very much like the one thing in to, to look at you, you know, the way you sequence that in. <laughs>
0: I'd like to take the opportunity to thank Mark uh, for the amazing work <laughs> that he helped uh, us with. It's taken 29 format. years to thank him, have you? Yeah, but <laughs> we back left okay. And I just <laughs> want to say on behalf of the band, thank you, Mark, uh, for, the, for the, you know, not only obviously for Shabu Shabab and uh, for Welcome to VR and Full Moon Dirty House, but also for Lip, Baby Lif. And, you know, I just wanted to add to that, um, you know, that, I don't know what Mark would say about Live, Baby, Live and we're probably preempting something you would want to talk maybe about us down the track with, but I don't know about Mark, but for me I was so overwhelmed on that day at Wembley to make sure because there were so many things that could have gone wrong. I mean, like, when I think about it for a minute, it actually terrifies me and I think I was not the only one, probably Mark and all the rest of the guys in the band, everybody. Murphy would have been all of us really shit scared that something was going to go wrong, right? And I think the thing is, is that it's only in hindsight when I look back on these things, and the same with Welcome to a VR and all these sort of recordings and the production work that Mark did and the, and the choice of running orders and all the rest of it, in the passage of time, when you're in the midst of something, I don't know. Like I think the military have a term for this sort of thing, but you know, you, it's only on when you're being debriefed about it or whatever that you actually recognise the sequence of events, you know, and, and acknowledge
4: them. I'll never forget the day that um, you know um, we were in. I think we we're actually doing. Welcome to every artist. So this is this is connected. This is connected. Yeah. No, not, it was full moon dirty hearts. I was in the in LA with Bob Clearmountain and Niven Garland. And Andrew comes in the control room And he's with a uh, What was his name from Guitars R Us Albert Molinari Yeah, Albert Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he comes in with a, a friend Albert Molinari is carrying three cases In the control room And he just lays them down Andrew lays each case down Flips them open And each of them has got a 1935 Gibson Kalamazoo Acoustic three-quarter guitar in them And Andrew said, I've had Albert look all around America for the best Gibson Kalamazoo's that are absolutely possible, and these are the three that we've come up with. I'd like you to make a choice because I want you to have one. You go first. I'm going second, and and we're giving one to Albert for the show. And so it was insane, insane. And And it all came out of a gesture when Andrew and I were in Paris and working at Gilliam Tell Studios and on the way home back to the hotel one night. We'd been talking guitars a lot. And I've been playing his 1956 Stratocaster. You still got that? I do, yeah. And it's a, it's a beautiful guitar to play with such a light body mm. and very rare in the Stratocasters. And so I was playing his 56 uh, lot in Paris and he said, Mark, if you could have any guitar, what guitar would you have? And he's fully expecting me, and you can say, <laughs> to say oh, I'd like a 56 uh, Stratocaster. And then I said, no, no, I want a Gibson Kalamazoo because when I joined Vander and Young to support myself, I had to sell my 1935 Gibson Kalamazoo back in, you know, when I I was first starting out because I knew that it was only wire and wood and what I'd learned from Vander and Young because I wasn't getting paid by mistake at that time. So I had to support myself. What I'd learned from Vander and Young was invaluable. Invaluable. So, so Andrew was quite surprised, in the taxi. I said, "Oh, him, as I said, him thinking that I was going to say fifty-six straight." I said, "Gibson Kalamazoo, a lot cheaper too." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, wow. that's true. Um,
0: yeah, that um, the strat I've still got it, and I've played it on many stages, and I still, right. I still record chord right. Yeah, but yeah, I've been fortunate, you know, to have had some beautiful instruments and I still have them. I've given some away over the years, other other ones, and I'll continue to do that. I'd like to know where my instruments ended up. You know, while well, I'm still alive, so I'd write to give them to people. I to- put my hand up to the 56th. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: haven't finished with it yet. <laughs> and of course you haven't. There's it's a few the more songs guitar. to
1: come out of it. <laughs>
4: it's a brilliant brilliant guitar, in my opinion. At that stage, I don't know what Andrew's got now, but that to me was the best guitar he had. Before. So
1: what's what songs would you have played that guitar with?
4: Uh, I Need
0: You Tonight, I think I wrote that riff with that guitar and um, Mark may remember, but I, I played it on stage a lot as well, like big yeah. gigs and little ones or whatever yeah. um, before and since. And then during the recordings, yeah, of,
4: um, of Kick Annex, and Welcome, uh, yeah. I, I think also Full Moon, I think. Definitely Full Moon. Yeah. And that's where I played. I was playing it all the time. Right. And I was mucking around with it everywhere. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things about
0: that guitar that I always loved about it is it was no sort of um, what's it called shelf pony that guitar. Um, it but I know this is quite bizarre because what Michael and I were writing uh, in Chicago, we wrote three songs, uh, in you know, as, prior to Kick. And though one of the three songs was um, Mystifier. And when we were writing it, I, 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 we took a break for a while and I went down to a local guitar store and he had all these really modern Kramers and sort of like heavy metal guitars, you know, sort of, you know, we back then, yeah, up on the walls and and something like an old Fender Strat like that. It was like, oh yeah, that's for, you know, old fellas use stuff like that, you know. And, uh, and I was looking at this one guitar up on the wall and I said, "What's that?" And he said, oh, "I sold that new in 1957." This old guy said to me, and I said, "Well, what's happened to it since?" So he says, "Lived a, it's been played. It Was in blues clubs around here for years." And I said, "I want it." You know, 850 bucks he charged me back then. So I was like, "What?" You know, I was like, "Sure," you know, because he was put the well, me. <laughs> you know, um, but I, I, you know, I've owned, I've owned all sorts of beautiful instruments, and I think you're right, Mark. I think what's interesting about instruments that become very, very, I don't know what the word is, iconic, is that they themselves have their own personality and you have to become friends with that personality of the instrument and then it's beautiful. If you have issues with it, it, w- it will sound like
4: that. It's the way I look at it, you know. Perfect way of saying it, Andrew. Perfect way of saying it. Hmm.
3: Well,
1: so what's your the- favourite instrument to play then, really?
0: Well,
3: I've got a a track
0: a track. A track. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, um, you know, I'm very, very cautious with machinery, I got to say. And, um, you know, for lots of reasons, I'm very, very careful with it. Probably instrument wise, uh, the 56 track, definitely. I've also got a. it's not so much the Uh, How can I put this? It's not the collectability of it or the value of it. It's just the instrument itself. I'd love to show Mark a guitar i I bought since we worked together for many years. I've used it for a long time now, which is a 1947 Gibson Southern Jumbo. And it's just the most insane thing. It's just round about World War II, it just ended. The world's trying to get itself back together again. When you first look at the guitar, you think, what a boring instrument. But when you start playing it and you're listening to it, you're like, Wow because it's just like the bottom end of this acoustic guitar is just, I've never heard another one like it. And that's just from being fortunate enough to use high-end instruments and know when I'm hearing something, I say, that is just incredible. You know, the sound of it, you know, it'd have to be be nuts not to want to record it properly, you know, um, and that sort of thing. But um, anyway, back to the album.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just a quickie, did you use any of those sort of on your recent solo album? I have, yeah. The Strat. One of the songs uh,
0: that we never used for, uh, say, Kick and and X uh, or Welcome was a song I had called Come Midnight. And that was one of the first songs I released off my country music Mm. stuff. Because it's what it was It was really country music And the rest of the, of the NXS guys Are what? what the fuck's this When they heard it You know, I'm like, wow You know, I like this It's Michael saying
4: What the fuck's this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably
0: Yeah, Well, oh, back then Although, you know Interesting you should say that Because I think Michael, you know I, I, I won't I, I don't want us to You know, hang on this subject But Yeah, go I, um, Deliver this subject for too long But I was going to say that I think when he began to, you know, sort of circulate more with with Nick Cave and more sort of, I don't know, uh, those kind of um, people that are very dark lyrically. Deep, uh, yeah, well, yeah, but no, but just not just that. There's sort of a, you know, a gothic humour to a lot of these people. It's really dark and you know whatever. Um, very clever too, um, by the way, and very nice. gifted, but. Then, ironically, Michael started to really like Johnny Cash, and and someone said to me not that long ago, when I was talking about country music, they said, "Oh, welcome to the dark side," is what they said to me. <laughs> and I was like, "That's funny," because for all those years I was working with rock and roll and all the rest of it, I thought that was dark. But when you get into some of the
2: country stuff, it's like, "Whoa!" Lyrically, you know, he's going, "Oh yeah, 100%. wow!" You
4: know.
2: Well, just to quickly. <laughs> Close off the country stuff. I, two yeah. two things. One, I don't think it's a myth, but I think it's true. There is some banjo on new sensation, isn't there?
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I had a I had a sample uh, of a banjo um, on an emulator too, and yeah. I I couldn't find any other instrument that would be. I thought of Clavinet and I thought, well, yeah, you sound like Stevie Wonder and it could be a bit, you know, and I thought, you know, everyone goes, that sounds like Stevie Wonder, you know, and I was like, I don't want to sound like Stevie Wonder, you know, or the band to sound like that. So I started experimenting and that was the sound that just made sense. I couldn't think
4: of it. It makes a riff. It just totally it does. Makes, it, yeah. it, 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 it. makes it a memorable riff. you exactly right. Mm. And, and, and without the banjo, if you'd, if you'd used a Clavinet, it would have taken up too much sonic space to put my engineering hat on. Yeah. Whereas using the banjo takes up a lot less sonic space and cuts through a lot easier, if you know what I mean. And oh. and I remember when I've done mixes of that song, you know Wembley, wherever, like, you know, just thinking, it was always the whole the whole aim of the game and the music of the song was to get the banjo right. <laughs> if you got yeah. the banjo right with the, I'm not talking about the drums and bass, but with the rest of the instruments. If you got the banjo right, you're in. Well I think yeah. in the remix version of New Sensation
2: might be the kick mix or a mix one of those mixes there they they highlight the banjo but it's such a subtle thing that over the years when we re, uh, reviewed the kick album we did mention it because it gives a different little flavor to it and I think also I think on X you could argue that the the opening of By My Side is also got a bit of a country tinge to it
0: you know I think that's my probably my own personal music taste coming out a little bit in some of these songs too where i i was i was never a a, a kind of a person that said, look, I only like this kind of music, you know. Um, I mean, Mark picked up on that when we were doing Baby Don't Cry and Men and Women and with the classical thing. And he was, oh, this is great, I love this, you know, as being able to go down that road where some music producers or artists would really struggle with anything to do with classical. They sort of can't get their heads around that. you know. But for me, I don't really mind what genre of music it is so long as it, it supports the song. I'm kind of a song first guy, you know. And
4: that's the key right there when he said supports a song, where a lot of bands We'll use an orchestra. Because, oh, we'll put an orchestra in the back. Yeah. It wasn't like that. We designed the song around the orchestra, for God's sake. You know that was. We even recorded live, the whole band live with the orchestra. Sometimes you will fall.
3: What you gonna do? Give a, a crown of
2: Mark was mentioning before coming on air that he was heavily involved in the X tour there towards uh, the Chicago gigs, I think, and onwards, and then got involved with Wembley in 91, and then obviously Welcome got recorded in 92. What was your memory of reconnecting with Mark, say, it was virtually 10 years later from Shabu? Uh, Andrew, do you know how that all came about?
0: Well, I'm going to take the image that Mark has very cleverly put behind himself of him being <laughs> in some sort of uh, a Tesla vehicle on his way to Mark <laughs> and to say that Mark, um, in, 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 in the succession of events that lead up to something like, you know, what we ended up doing together. A, a bit was, you know, a lot of it, especially that run of shows that we were doing leading up to Wembley Stadium because people don't, no, we all realised that we were doing, weren't we, Mark? Lots of different big shows, not just Wembley, but you know, Rock and Rio was more people than Wembley. So, we Um, our support bands just. At Rock and Rio alone uh, were um, Billy Idol, uh, Joe Cocker, and Carlos Santana. And I got to tell you, when you're standing there playing guitar in front of Carlos Santana, what runs through your mind is this better be good. As yeah. you know, <laughs> that guy's just standing there looking at you. And it's That's two o'clock so in the morning. It, didn't Kirk stuff. confuse
2: Carlos for like a roadie or
0: a cleaner or something? <laughs> well, I don't know. But look, the, the, <laughs> the point is, is that I'm trying to make is that the succession of events and the reason I was using the the, the space bit is because it's a bit like the Apollo moonshots. You know, you're sort of trialing things, aren't you, Mark, the whole way you go along. <laughs> It, right, you're setting it up and setting it up and setting it up until exactly, exactly. this is the moon landing. At the yeah. very
4: start of the X Tour, when I was in New York doing a record with the remnants of the Gang of Four, and the um, and I got to, and I got a call, come to to London. We're doing in excess Wembley Arena, not the stadium, the arena to start off the European tour, and we're doing a live broadcast back to Doug Mulray on Triple M. Can you come to London for the two shows Do it Then go back to New York I said absolutely And so that's where it started there You know And mm. uh, and then Chris and I got taught the band and I obviously We actually not disconnected at all In our period You know of our careers we, We'd always Because they're always on tour I'm working overseas And every now and again we bump into each other somewhere mm. and, and and even after the swing You know they had me preview that whole album Before they, they, they went with it but uh, So we, we kept up relationships, so there wasn't anything, oh, all of a sudden this is the big shock mm. news story. It, it was a natural course of events for us to get back together again at some point, particularly after X, because at that stage, to my own great album X, you know, and it followed Kick, whereas to me, you know, the times and were changing. As I said, I loved the album. And, but I love where Suicide Blonde was taking it as well, though, in another way, because it was getting a bit more, well, that's different. You've got the harmonica doing that. That's insane. How I, I know how he did it. Mm. Um, but uh, when I first heard the harmonica intro on Suicide Blonde, I just went, that is, you are kidding me.
1: He's a genius. Um,
4: how can anybody do that? It was um, a fluke. It was a fluke. <laughs> I know. I'm not going to go and divulge the whole thing. Secret story You know It's not secret But the, the whole thing But it was just brilliant And so You know Obviously And having done Shabu Shabar In my case Way back And with Shabu What we, we'd done Is we'd broken out Of the mould Of the first two albums Into this new area With Shabu Shabar And that was a very Conscious decision You know Is to do that You know As I've said On Jan's song You know I, I think that's One of the most crucial songs For Michael's career Of all time And yet It doesn't get a lot Of airplay but that's where he learned to sing. That's that song he learned to sing. And that's where he learned the power of the studio and how to sing in the studio was on that one song. You listen to the song, girl, what's the big deal about it? But, you know, mm-hmm. I know what it took. Yeah. He knows what it took, you know, and and we know where it went from there. And yet it's an insignificant song. the She says she wants
3: world happy but she shouts, I make you understand what it is we're striving for. A better deed across this land. She puts her hat on, looks in the mirror, says to us, say, I hey, hey. Nothing to fear. Like
4: care. Now it's the to here. But that's but just getting back to the, the project that we're talking about with Welcome. so uh, in the sense Welcome started with Shapu Shabar. Yeah.
3: Okay.
4: And and it was just okay, off you go. I knew as soon as I heard uh, Ten to One by Midnight Oil. And the day I finished Shabu Shabar, I knew that very day I would not be doing the next In Excess album because I heard 10 to 1. And I thought to myself, with Nick, that, Nick day, yeah? Nick's going to be doing the next In Excess album, you know, because this one is just so fucking brilliant, you know. It was a brilliant album. <laughs> a brilliant album. And even though I don't think, you know, Nick's brilliant and continues to be brilliant to this day, you know, um, I thought it'd be another a leap up. Again and still was. Don't get me wrong. I think it was f- some fantastic songs, it was brilliant. You know But they also discovered uh, video at the same time with Richard and and people like that. And so it built into something bigger than we. The be Swing doing. Album you're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So it was it, it, it was a whole whole thing. And then you got Nile Rodgers, you know, with original synth, So But yeah, it, it, so I knew that was going to happen. I'm happy. You know, I, I've I've helped launch a career and these guys. Believe me, you know you've got Chris Murphy in this band who just will not stop. Them. So committed, you know, and and that's the characters in the band. You know, not only did they have three musical geniuses in the band, you know, or well, two in particular. I regard uh, Andrew and John Farris as uh, beyond compare when it comes to being individuals as musicians. Uh, they're all brilliant. Get me, don't get me wrong. I'm not putting Timmy or, yeah. or Kirk Down or Gary or anything like that. But to have, it's a bit like with Cultures, we had Ian Moss and Jimmy Barnes, which is a great foil for them. To have John Farris and Andrew Farris, same family, same band, and their and their music intellect, and I'm not pissing in your pocket, otherwise your leg would be warm, Andrew. Um, <laughs> I can't begin to tell you what a difference that makes. You know, John Farris, just genius. Andrew Farris, you know. The great thing about Andrew, you know, if I might digress, I know we're not talking about the... <laughs> The albums. The great thing about uh, Andrew is, is is um he's the best guitar player in the band. And the up and the other two guys ain't no slouch. I'll tell you mm-hmm. that, you know, they're brilliant. But this guy, his funk, like you know, gives Noel Rogers a run for his money. You know, that's mm. who you hear when you hear a New Sensation. That's Andrew. Mm. You know, um and you hear all these things. But then you hear those the stairs and the, the keyboard arrangement of that. That's Andrew. You know, mm-hmm. you hear the melody on you know, beautiful girl, all those tender lyrics you know, to his daughter. That's Andrew. Yeah. It's just, it's just, you know, so different and yet so honest and so pure and but, but so original. And then, and that's what he has in spades and that's what John Farris, and he's got it too in a different way. It's really hard to explain, John, because, it, you know, it, the great thing that Andrew had, he always had this foil called Michael Hutchins who would be able to, you know, would say, oh, okay, I'll write these lyrics to it, or no, Andrew, that's a bit too much. You know Or something like that Now when with Andrew I don't want to go here For too long uh, When Michael left us Obviously that You know it, it left Andrew In a bit of a quandary There About you know Oh hang on man, Where's my Mate that says No that's good Made me this You know That sort of thing So that must have been tough That must have been Really hard But I just Again You know These two guys You know A a band You know as, as is everyone In the band You know Everyone
0: Andrew's our uh, Brian Wilson. I'd like to so acknowledge, you know, and say thank you, Mark. So there's a lot you just said there. Um, yeah, and I agree about my brother, John, and I love both my brothers, Tim and John. Of and I think Tim Yeah, you know, and, and all the, the guys in, in NXS always were and still are, you know, Team players. They that mm-hmm. one of the things of the and you you would know this as a record producer Mark is a great bands that you've worked with incredibly talented people. That what makes them great most of the time is just simply the ability to shut up and listen to someone say, "Hey, have you thought of this, or can we try that?" And then you, you know. And then you
4: go, "That's it." I mean,
1: Give people, you the space. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, well, that, well, you, you know,
4: know, left hand. Yeah. Yeah. After When you played As many gigs As someone like Andrew it, 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 With the same guys All through Western Australia New South Wales Queensland Victoria You can turn You know what the left hand and The right hand knows What the left hand's Going to do Before he does it It mm. just happens And this this is What's been brilliant About that, that It's the know.
1: magic Isn't it
4: And and that's With a lot of Australian bands Got that You know you know Ability Which made them Great live bands ACD is a classic example Yeah I, um, I've met a lot of the,
0: and As Mark has A lot of these characters Over the years But I was You know I never really knew Anyone from The ACDC camp And one day I, I You know Back in the You know Scaly heights Of when in excess Was really going Through the roof We used to You know Sit up at the pointy end Of these big aircraft And I sat down And Angus sits next to me And Angus Young And I'm like What are the odds <laughs> of that And I said to him Hi. I said that to him, I said did someone put us together, or was this sort of a bit odd? You know, and he goes, "Yeah, it's a bit weird, mate." And I said, "Yeah, no kidding." You know, and I and we didn't talk about music once. We talked about food and football. Would you believe? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's pretty oh, much what all the two of us talked about. Um, I and I said, "See, like, yeah, mate," and walked off. You know, and I was sort of, <laughs> and a lot of my experiences with a lot of these characters haven't been too dissimilar. Where. You both know it's the elephant in the room, but you don't want to talk about these yeah. massive experiences you've had yeah. because yeah. you just don't want to go there. Um, uh, but I've only got one more little thing I want to add, and it's completely like left to center, off reservation. But talking about production and all the rest of it, I do want to say something that I remember what I think is the first ARIA Awards ever, and Elton John, as he said, you know look, for fuck's sake, don't put this on television because you can't say <laughs> fuck and all this sort of stuff. And we can all be real with each other. Um, you know, we don't have oh, to TV game bullshit. You know, we can all just, you know, talk to each other as, you know, uh, people in the same industry openly and uh, you know, have a few drinks, and have fun and you know, without someone looking over your shoulder and judging you the whole time. And of course it changed. But um, but I, I remember, uh, and we were you know, in, in those years in sort of receiving awards like that and things uh a lot and um I remember when I came off stage I was you know a huge obviously like everybody a huge Beatles fan and I'd, I'd met George Martin once before and i I briefly got to know Giles Martin around that period his son he's also an amazing guy but I remember saying to George Martin when he we were after we got this award for whatever we got for a kick and I said oh, wait wait till you see what we do on the next record and I'll never forget what he said to me he said What's wrong with what you've already done? Good point, isn't it? It was like speaking to Yoda. Um, you know, it's, it's
3: yeah, like, it, yes.
4: You know, yes. like philosophically, like, it, it just floored me. You me. don't have to
1: keep bettering yourself. You, you're no, good. No,
4: no, just keep- that's what I say to everyone is similar is, you know, do the best you can right now, Yeah. then move on. Yeah, Andrew, that, you, Andrew, yeah, you used to feel, I guess,
2: the yeah. weight of, of expectation. I think when, when what you need became a top five hit, you're like, yeah. what am I going to do next? And then Kid yeah. came along. And one thing we've said on our podcast narrative over the time is the the pressure that you must have felt, you know, you know, going into X and the expectation. And then part of me when I was preparing for today, I was almost thinking that I reckon with Welcome, you know, you've climbed the mountain, you've consolidated the mountain, you've done Wembley, Rock and Rio, Concert for Life, was there something sort of almost a little bit less pressure going into Welcome? Going okay, I can really just make an album that we want to make.
3: Hmm. I,
0: I think I'd answer that by by saying that there's two really things in my mind we're talking about here. One is uh, the entertainment industry and your position within it, and the other one is your real life or your family life or your home life, or whatever. For me, with Welcome to Where You Are, probably the you know big game changer for me was the birth of my my first child, Grace. And 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 in the midst of, you know, when I was playing Wembley Stadium, you know, Grace was only three weeks old or something. Um, and I really didn't want to necessarily be at Wembley. I wanted to be with my little baby back down in Australia, uh, which is one of the reasons I moved to England for, for five years, because I could see what was coming around the corner in our career. Um, but I, I think for me, it was more that I felt There was something in my life that had arrived in the form of a child and and, and the responsibilities and so forth that every new parent often, you know, the the realisation of what's actually going on in their life that I suddenly went, you know what, the entertainment industry is just that and all of this, you know, musical, art, game and all the rest of it is just that and all the fame is just that. But these people and this little child take precedence over everything in my life, it doesn't matter what it is. It just set my mind And my soul at ease for making Welcome, because I was suddenly comfortable about, because for many years, you know, I, I'd been asking myself philosophically, especially after Shabu Shabar, Mark, we did, we made that record. And then we start to have these hits, you know, overseas and, and it all got very, very serious. I mean, I'm, you know, the first, uh, after releasing um, Shabu Shabar, I remember the first three months from the United States and we played rock and roll tonight and with uh, Eric Clapton and Simple Minds and, Uh, We were broadcast all over the United States, especially in California and LA. And within about uh, an hour of us going on television, uh, Ray Manzarek from the doors is standing in front of me um, saying, where is your singer? And I said, he's over there. His name's Michael. And he said, can I talk to him? I said, sure. I don't think he'd mind. And I was going, that's fucking Ray Manzarek, you know, as Mm -hmm. I'm staying there. And he wanders over and and he starts talking to Michael. And I heard him say, you know, I was sitting at home just now watching television. You came on. I had a really unbelievable feeling that I was revisiting someone that I used to know really, really well. And I, I heard all this, right? Mm. And I thought, that's really bizarre. Like I was thinking about what that would be like for Michael as well, mm. um, you see. And, and, I'm thinking about all this at the time. But the reason I'm talking about this with you is because, it's not a matter of who I met and who's who and all the rest of it. It's because the, when you start going on television or you're mass, you have mass acceptance or whatever, it's sometimes what comes with it is not what you think it's going to be all about, you know, um, it, a whole other thing things come into play, you know, relationships and people, and you get affected, you know, and and not necessarily by fame or money. It's actually like for me, it was my next-door neighbour, for example, used to say to me, what have you been doing, you know, in the early years? And I said, well, and I started to sort of, you know, think about, you know, I said, well I've just been playing with 10,000 people every night in the United States and he said, yeah but I just saw you mowing your lawn next door and I said so what you know the lawn needed mowing you know um you know and do you see what I mean you know after yeah. a while you're like come on a minute what
4: what is, what is all this you know yeah. you know you you need that so tangible parts of it and I just say to, to, to an example of what Andrew is talking about. Every time I finished an album overseas or wherever it was, you know, I'd be away for four months or in Australia, UK, Europe, wherever, America. The first thing I'd do when I got home to my house in Barrel was mow the (laughs) lawns. And the reason for that is I could see instantly the results of the job that I'd done. Mm. And it gave me certain sense of satisfaction because the last four months I had no idea of what I've done. I can think it's okay and, you know, still got to come out, still got to be accepted by everybody or whatever. But mowing the lawn, it's funny that Andrew would bring that up, you know, and might be just an aside, but for me, it was the most therapeutical thing possible because you could do it neat, do it yourself. It was all done in the, and it's you could see the result straight away. Sorry to interrupt you. That's
2: all right. It almost redefines you getting back to domestic life off tour. It's something
4: symbolic in a way. But more importantly, it's a result. By doing something very simple that everyone does and there's a result at the end of it. you are not waiting around for kick to go triple platinum <laughs> or get released or what single's going to be Go here, this, that there. You can see it Finished work Done Got it Thank you Move on You know It looks beautiful Happy I'm I'm. But thrilled. also
1: it's a, You know It's grounding you as well It's like when you have a child It grounds you straight away You know you, that That's a little person And you oh, are yeah. responsible For that little well, person
4: that, <laughs> Well that was my reason for working I had four children You know Big In excess fans You know Would come to the shows And everyone The band would be Cool with them All that mm. And uh, you know It was um that they were inspiration and and Andrew's saying the same thing, your, your values change and you you realize what you're doing this for and it actually is a you know, if you are going through a down period, having your kids actually a good thing because it'll <laughs> it'll certainly give you reason for doing better.
1: On the first song Hayden, you mentioned that you didn't have that many songs To put on this album, is that right?
2: I think Mark might have mentioned in a previous episode Mm. That there wasn't a huge amount of material Although I've counted up nine B-sides of new material Plus the 12 (laughs) on the album So there's 21 songs there But uh,
4: Before we go into the track by track Again, I think we should discuss this a little bit is the album itself, when we were talking about it before, How it all got together and all that sort of stuff You know, before we get into the running lists And and, and the songs, etc I think it's important You know, Andrew ha- had lots of pieces of music And Andrew used to have an ADAP machine Was it an ADAP? What, what was the recorder you had? The digital um, recorder Oh well, yeah, I, ha-
0: I had a uh, a Yamaha digital tape thing
4: I went off Yamaha original tape deck Andrew had done a lot of His demos for this album were pieces of music uh, that he had that he would go home, that he'd bring in and play and we'd work on and then we'd we'd talk about, then he'd go home or work on them there and do stuff like that. So there were bits and pieces of lots of songs done, you know, and some in different versions, like heaven sent or whatever. It was always a surprise next morning when Andrew would walk in with his Yamaha yeah, have to leave the big console <laughs> in there. Then we transfer his work onto the multitrack. So, okay, let's build from here or arrange from here and do things like that. You know, there may be rehearsals at the opera house for this, Andrew. I don't remember that. Yeah, that's interesting. Um I know it was for uh, well, kick,
0: what, an X. I think it was more for X actually, but I'm pretty sure, yeah. and maybe, maybe kick. But I, I agree with you. And the other thing is that when I was listening to what Hayden and B was saying, um, you know, uh, before what I was very impressed with uh, Hayden was how you um, somehow had worked out or heard had heard of uh, Tim and John and Garen and Kirk. Uh, for whatever reason, were quite, you know, they had other serious things going on personally in their lives. So to the reason when you uh, were asking me about pressure and the songs and you know whatever as we we're going into it before. But what happened because of that was kind of unusual and it was you know fortuitous in the sense that you know after the Kick album and the success of all that, I could see coming around the corner when we did X. You know it was going to be a little rocky at the first front end of it because a lot of people had gotten hold of Michael and were telling him you know like, you know you're the you know, ducks guts. Mate, <laughs> like, on, uh, we call it blowing <laughs> smoke,
4: gas, <laughs>
0: Elvis, or whatever you know. And and, and we can see that you know. And and I think he could too. To be fair to Michael, I think he saw it too. But oh, yeah. still, you know, he he, he he Everyone likes flattery, so he was sort of listening to this. And I think so. X was sort of a, a way in, in its own strange way was a great segue into welcome because we'd sort of dealt with that. And to a lot To a greater extent With X And X was very pressurized Because of the touring That we were doing At the time Super pressure On us all the time And so When Welcome To a VR Rolled around Yeah I had some I had some songs I have to be honest with you I don't know if I ever Said this before But you know I remember Michael Came down to my house In Sydney Where I was living At the time he uh I had a few interesting visitors at that house actually. <laughs> and it was in the national park there and um beautiful and house.
1: After Hawkesbury was it?
4: Yeah. Keringai, uh, Keringai.
1: Yeah, Keringai. yeah that, that's right. And the Aboriginal
4: yeah. word for the Hawkesbury, I think is Dublin. you go past. If you're on the water and you go past Andrew's house, you know you go five.
1: Is it still there?
4: Oh, yeah, the boat house. Yeah, yeah. but the,
0: the,
3: the, anyway. The,
0: yeah, anyway, I was going to say, I was going to say that Michael wasn't the only visitor I had down that house. Actually, Keith Urban came to meet me because um, Joanne Peterson, um, whose uh, husband was Colin Peterson, he used to play drums for Bee Gees. Miley. That's right. And Joanne's uh, maiden name was Epstein. She was uh, Brian Epstein's. Uh, no
4: way. Uh, he found Brian Epstein dead.
3: Wow. Yeah.
0: Anyway. um Didn't yeah, Joanne, lovely lady and, and and Colin, great guy. Anyway, the point is, is that Joanne called me and said, I've got this young guy called Keith Durban. He wants to come down and meet you. And I said, Meet me. I was like, okay, sure. And he came down. And I don't think he realized that it was like quite a muddy, dirty road because he <laughs> arrived in a limousine or something.
3: Boy. Yeah, he's a
0: country boy. But he, I just want to say it was great, you know. Um, but I don't it was the first like house I'd ever built. And I was hanging off the edge of the carport, you know, like a like a <laughs> like a you know an idiot, because I hid my spare key up the top of the carport. Oh, very like, annoyed about it. So he meets me, and I'm hanging off the carport like a nutcase, you know. Um, I said, "Come on in, mate." You know, and see so he comes in, and and we talk for a while, and and then he starts playing guitar and singing and trying to impress me. I said, "Look." After a while, I said you don't need you don't need my advice, you just need a beer. So we walked out on the veranda and we had a drink or whatever. So and we were friends ever since. But and I saw him not that long after that again. But and that was interesting too. But another time. Uh, and then, but Michael came down during the, around about that time, and we started talking. And I and I was so excited. I said, "What lyrics have you got, mate? I can't wait to to see what you you might have there." You know, and, and he was like. Um, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I left some in a taxi cab in Paris. I'm like, what? Uh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? You know, and so his he, he's his little book. Yeah. So I, I'm like, at, at that point, I didn't hit the panic button. It was all great up to that point, but I was, I was like. In my back of my mind, oh fuck! Right as I'm sitting there, and, and you know, and I wasn't angry at him or anything, but when he left, I think later on he might have, well, he might have stayed the night. I can't remember anymore. I hope he did anyway. So, but the thing is that you know, I began to go, I got it, and I went right, and that's why. Uh, I stopped focusing so much on being perhaps getting more and more and more music beds together and grooves and stuff. And I just focused on lyrics. I just yeah. went, right, okay, you know, this is what it's going to be. You've got to cover it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and because,
2: you know, I, it I might be the, sorry, Andrew, it might be the actual um, biggest album of individual uh, solo rights, I guess, in a way, you know, with Baby Don't Cry and Beautiful Girl and Questions. I mean, they're all your compositions. Well, that's right because you see, I you know I'd probably
0: I may have lost Michael lost the lyrics. (laughs) Well, you know the the interesting thing about this is why I'm bringing it up is because you know in previous recordings and later ones that I would do. You know, Michael didn't play an instrument, um, and a lot of people don't seem to understand that he wasn't an instrumentalist. You know, um, and the way we worked together was never like a lot of singer-songwriters I've worked with since and, and before, who you, you're slightly competitive. You know, you, you both play the same instrument, you both trying to do the same thing. You're conscious of whose name goes on what song. Michael and I didn't work like that. We were quite—I um, don't know how to put it—really polar opposites. Uh, you know, we had different sort of talent groups, you know, um, in a sense, and different, you know, uh, ways of communicating our know, ideas and things. I mean, I, since Michael's passing and, and before that, sure, I could write songs by myself, and I, but, but I didn't do too much of it because I knew that, you know, I didn't want to end up where the rest of the guys in the band hated me because I wasn't open to their input with everything, especially Michael, because he's a lead singer and he's a famous guy, you know. Mm. It's important artistically to give him the platform to, to write his, his own interpretation of how he felt or mm. something that mattered to him. And then he delivered it on stage. Mm. I watched that, you know, unfold, um, as I'm sure Mark did, where, you know, when we first started off making, you know, Recordings and songs or whatever, you might have something to say, but you didn't really take it that seriously until you realise that you're actually competing in the top ten, not just in Australia, but in other, in other with nations. With. What am I saying
4: lyrically? Just thing, say with, yeah. you know, with Michael's lyrics on, on this particular album he, he did not have a lot ready But what was good Is that, you know, when we're doing the album There were other family members of the band When I call them, I'll call them family members Gary, every you know, everyone had issues going on with their lives And so, but the, the people that were there every day There were four people that were there every day One guy, Niven Garland, was there every day but basically, it was Andrew, myself, and Michael were the only people that were there pretty much every day. And with Michael, to get him there, we'd have to send out Colin Ironside <laughs> to go and find whatever pub that he was having breakfast in with 30 of his entourage, you know, or and just sort of extract him out of that with all these people saying, you pay the bill, you know, so, you know, get screwed, you know, Colin was pretty tough. So Michael would arrive at the studio. And we'd have a bit of music, and what I would do is basically bring Michael into the studio. I said, Michael, I don't care what you do, just scat, just scat. And Strange Desire is a classic example of this yeah. song, because Strange Desire pretty much came out of the drum feel that Johnny was playing at the time. And we go, oh, it's a great drum sound. We could do something with this. And, of course, you know, and so by the time, of, you know, Andrew's done his magic and everything, you know, and we're pulling in Michael just, and I'm saying, well, well I need a melody. Need a melody? Just do anything, and so Michael would just scat. He'd do about four tracks of scatting over the track, and then I would listen to them all and just pick different melodies and make it into one track. That melody, that there, that one there, that works there. Put that one again here, and and then he would go away and put words to that, if you know what I mean. So that happened as well. But but the guy's obviously saving the day because early on Andrew can see, holy oh, shit, you know, someone's got to put their finger in the dike here.
3: Yeah, if
4: you know. And this is what Andrew does in excess. He puts his finger in the dike everywhere. You know, everyone else does stuff as well. That's well, the they,
1: accountant in yeah. him, I suppose. All right, <laughs> I apologise <hold> <laughs> right to
4: accountant there. But you know, I guess
2: creatively, with this particular scenario, you've got, in some respects, all due to respect to the other band members, you could really probably dig deep into it and say, well, I can really have a an artistic imprint on this without having to negotiate as much. Is that a, a fair interpretation? A little bit, you know. I didn't have to be mindful of the other band members songwriting contributions so much, but you could really get in with Michael and Niven and Mark and and, and yourself and just really drive the creative side uh, that what this album took.
4: Yeah, but that's not to say the other guys, you know, the great thing about the other guys resting was that they were fresh all the time. And they, so Kirk, fantastic job, you know, all this stuff, you know, his, his sax pieces, everything, everything. You know, yeah, sure, he yeah, had shit going on in his life, mentally had to deal with, but at least this gave him a break from what he was dealing with in, in life and also he was fresh.
2: So you yeah, add those right.
4: two up and that sort of outweighs things. So yeah. you can't under, underestimate that. And also not only fresh, but keen to, oh, boy, I have been in the studio, i better go in there and do my best, you know, not just right here I'm in the studio again. Maybe so i probably
2: go. try to mention the artistic vision of it all, you know, really driving that. Yeah. I think Mark is
0: right. I, I can remember that now too, thinking clearly about it, is that if you are in a recording session and you're there all the time, whether you're the engineer, the record producer, the artist or whatever, you do suffer a little bit sometimes from, you know, sort of lack of, of, of you know, being able to reflect. Um, yeah, you get sort of, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, cabin fever or something. I think Mark's right. I think that the other guy guys being able to come in and go, hey, it needs this, is like brilliant. You know, yeah. Because um, you know, that, those sort of moments are very important. Yeah, and you know? that, 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 I- so
4: that was really good. So there was so many good <laughs> parts about it. As I said, strange as I came out with Johnny just. Coming in fresh, playing this feel on the kit, and I'm going, Hell, that, How good is that? Can we? We want to keep it going out. You know, just recording that, and then building on top of it. And I know, B, that's one of your faves. Is you it
1: really? <laughs>
0: me was interesting too, and that Michael had come to my home um, at that time and was making a, you know, a really you know, serious effort to connect with me, even though he, you know, he was a bit behind um, where he wanted to be lyrically with his own ideas and things, I can recall clearly recall sitting with him, which is very unusual for the two of us, I know that may sound strange. But the two of us usually didn't spend a lot of time sitting together in the same room um, when we were songwriting. But in this particular album we did. I think it was destiny, if you want to look at it that way, or, you know, a good thing in a strange way that he felt behind um, and not cocky with the, all these lyrics. Yeah. You know, I've got all this and you have to, you know, like do this. Oh. And he wasn't like that at all. He was like, what do you got? What lyrics have you got? And I was like, Oh, cool. Okay. Well, I've got this and I've got that. And he'd say, yeah, I like that. And and how about we, you know, I've got this. And and that was kind of unusual for us in previous albums, even, you know, before, um, you know, I would have often turned up with a music on a, on a cassette or a tape or something, whatever it was back then. He'd say, what have you got? And I'd, I might have a, you know, a demo for a certain sound or a song or feel or groove. And he'd say, oh, I like that. i like, I'm going to work on these three or four or whatever. And then he'd come back to me and he'd usually either sing it to me in real time and have a, a sort of a, a scrawny lyric, you know, that he'd written on a pad. And then we talk about that. I say, yeah, I think that's really good. And, and then we'd refine it more as it went along. And the band would, you know, often say, well, can we try this or do that? And and that was all great. But for Welcome, I think there was something special about It's really strange Not that he was forced to be with me He wanted to be there But it was a very, very different experience on
4: Welcome Than say it was with X Exactly right You mentioned that so well And also technology had played a change here as well Because in those days Andrew would do everything Bring on a cassette So the cassette was it And when you listen to the cassette demo of New Sensation It sounds exactly like the album Except without without vocals It's incredible Mm. So Michael gets a new sensation without the vocals. So so yeah, I'll write to that. Mm Boom, song, done. This is Andrew taking the lead role in a lot of ways uh, because as he's what he anticipated early on, and Andrew's that kind of guy that really looks into the future. The interesting thing is, you know, you're right, you know, with the competition within Michael and, and, uh, and Andrew for the lyrics. Questions, classic example. I've recorded questions with Michael's vocal. It was called in a called the answers in the end. We hadn't named it. So Michael had written lyrics for it. We recorded that first. That was the one. And then Andrew came to me and said, oh, I've got a different vocal mm-hmm. uh, Do you mind if I have a go? And I said, not at all, of course, you know. I love Andrew's one, you know, and you picked it up, Hayden, yesterday, a little aperitivo, so to speak, or a, something to kick the album off before, you, you know, just a little... Palette
1: cleanser
4: cle- palette <laughs> cleanser yeah whatever Either that to a, you know a prelude or whatever and uh, it's, so yeah so but it ended up being an interesting thing when you consider it, but, uh, those two songs it, it could have very well been answers on the album instead of questions not that it would have been called that yeah. but
1: um, well but, I think that's a great place that we can actually start questions and we can all go and have a wee break and fill up our. water <laughs> <laughs> is that
3: all right with you?
4: Sure. Hey, this is David from Garvin.
2: Hi, this is Katie from England. You know, it's Paul from Sydney. Hi, this is Ella from the Netherlands. This is Dr. Jim, and that's a rap. Wow, how was that? Be was that 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 to me was the most enjoyable experience I've had since we've of this podcast how do you feel yourself after that
1: <laughs> well it was like just having a front row seat at yeah. like a concert wasn't it but
3: yeah
1: just wow it's so relaxing as well to like yeah. listen to them and yeah I just felt um honoured more than yeah. anything, to be part yeah. of this podcast and to be able to get this close to our idols is amazing now.
2: And as we speak, we, you know, we, you know, in the interest of continuing things like that, we, we've sort of done the whole interview that we're going to be splicing up. We've got literally nearly three and a half hours worth of footage. Mm. Um, so in the interest of, you know, being transparent, you know, we've just come off the whole entire interview as we speak now. Um, but, you know, we get, as I said, we're going to be putting into bite-sized chunks over the next three weeks because... Um, yeah, we, we just you know like it like a great you know mini series. We want three great episodes for you to sort of just enjoy each one and savor the next one. So, but yeah, it was, they were so revealing. They were so uh, appreciative con-
1: of each other as well, and yeah, like and- the lovely that Andrew thanked Mark on our yeah. show. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> well, nice. look, I think I think what was really interesting is that you know Andrew went to some places uh, mm. that our listeners in the overall listens, will hear, and yes. um, he'll go to places that um, he's never been before, you know, whether it's been with Michael or the band. And I think, you know, mm. with Mark, we, you know, Mark sometimes will, you know, consolidate some of the similar stories from the past, but put another tinge on it.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's
2: so many little facts and nuggets there that we hope you enjoyed today yeah. and, and the next couple of weeks as well.
1: And I was totally embarrassed that um, <laughs> the time that I meet Andrew Farris, that he's heard me tinkling on the toilet. It was not really me. I hope everybody realises that that was all me putting the sounds together and I didn't really do that. I didn't, honestly.
3: (laughs)
2: And one of the things that I think B and I, you know, we, we chose to do is uh, we're not going to do much editing of these podcasts in the sense that we do chop and change around with the song order a little bit, you know, through the nature of the interview, we started talking about beautiful girl and men and women quite early. And um, so this, this review that goes over three weeks, we felt that was just really in the interest for you guys to hear the entire podcast uh, interview, almost, you know, minus a couple of tweaks here and there in its sort of flow and entirety, how we experience it, because, um you know we think it's it was quite a, uh, a euphoric experience be and, and mm. if we felt that way um uh, being a part of we're just like everyone who, who listens to this we're fans and we want yeah. you to feel what we felt so yeah
1: so, i get I, we kept sort of dragging them back to topic and then it would Miranda <laughs> off again and then the other one would come in and we're like well, okay yeah. let's just sit back and well andrews <laughs> like getting
2: back to welcome <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but i think oh, it's, it's great, i think it is though. thank I you think, guys
2: yeah I think uh, there, there are a few sort of, you know, tangents here that, uh, that we go down that we think you'll actually enjoy. So, mm. um, yeah, but, uh, you know, moving on, I guess we'll go into fan engagement now. Um, I guess we have a great, you know, community of, uh, of listeners uh, and fans of the band and patrons, et cetera, there. Um, I'll leave it to you to highlight some of the best ones for the week, B
1: okay well I've got two good ones I, I met a lovely lady called Lee at um, the office supplies when I had to go and get the chains for the <laughs> lanyards today um, yesterday and yeah because um, yeah, I wore my Michael Hutchence um, sweatshirt and someone was reading the lyrics and they went oh we love them and then, then you next you know a big gang of us all talking about in excess but yeah. she met them here at the Coffs Hotel she says the guys were lovely they were just hanging out with everybody yeah. this was like in the early 80s and wow. she says and we were watching them she says and then this girl next to me fainted and Michael grabbed her and pulled her up on stage and she <laughs> said for a split second I thought shall I do that and then she thought hang on no, I'm going to miss the concert if I do that <laughs> I just thought it was quite funny. I, I
2: assume she woke up <laughs> when she was on stage there with Michael. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah so I wonder how yeah. many girls out there fainted at an In Excess concert. I'd like to hear from you guys if you wow. have. Alright so Another guy that um, I got talking to on Instagram, uh, he's called Lost Boys Rally. Um, I think his name's Stu, actually. Um, anyway, he's got a little story here. He says, hi, hope you are well. Thought I'd share this with you as it's been a highlight of my life, but also pretty significant in the Australian story. In 94, I was lucky enough to to win tickets to see In Excess play an intimate gig for Radio 1 at the Golders Green Hippodrome. There were only 500 of us and I got there early, second in the queue, so we went up right front. The guys took us to the stage and Hutch soon called us up and I was then stood inches away from my idols. During Heaven Sent, I outstretched my hand and Hutch shook it. Wow. Wow. And then proceeded to sing directly to my girlfriend, but I wasn't bothered. I just shook his hand. The gig finished and I was on the high for days. Thankfully, I'd been able to record the radio show on my my record player at home and sounds good even today. How cool is that? And then that's the day lovely. after he was in bed with, Paul, Michael was in bed with Paula.
2: Oh, okay.
3: <laughs>
1: Not in bed, but on the bed, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah, do yeah, need oh, to yes, you. yes, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So that's nice. And yeah, I said, yeah. can I read that? And he says, thank you. And then I'd like to also, I'll just read these off. There's yep. um someone called Bev Casto, Sula, Mark Rakin, Denise Magnum, Mara Rizzi, uh, Nicole Woven, Andrea Goes, Darlene Lane, and
2: that was Stu. I want to give a shout-out to Martin Norton, who sent a, a lovely little messenger thing. Oh, like after Martin. The yeah, He's lovely. Nah, he sent a, a great little message there, and we sort of I gave him the, the heads-up that we had Andrew on, so he was sort of first for me to tell anyone. So Yeah. Um, yeah, well done to Martin for just uh, being involved with everything as well. We really appreciate it. Moving along to just a little bit of the fan kits and goodies, I guess there's a, been a, a big response to things. But I know a couple of people have emailed in sort of just needing some some information i think we needed to get mobile numbers and we needed to get sometimes addresses and things so do you want to just maybe collectively give a clerical advice to anybody out there for, for to help carry on?
1: Absolutely. So to help Carrie-Anne and Mary um, orchestrate all of these fan kits going out to the patrons, we do need your telephone numbers. Now, the girls, or Carrie-Anne, has sent out some emails and there's some emails that have been given to us wrong. So if you haven't received one, please let us know via any social media platform um, or send us an email to in excess <laughs> aaa at gmail.com. And when we can reply to that one, the yeah. other big thing is the whale's going to have its, premiere of Drawing Out of the Hat for the wine, for Kirk's Wine. Everyone's really enjoying that one. So you can only be a patron. Every patron will go into the hat. So well done to Laurie and Manny. You're going to be in the hat this week as well for next week. Sorry. Watch out for some more auction prizes coming up very soon.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. We've got lots of lots of vinyl giveaways, uh, lots of things signed from band members, lots of goodies to add to your collection. All right, a uh, couple of things with the Andrew stuff coming up over the next three weeks. As this episode drops for you, uh, we will have this episode out as our normal weekend time, and we'll probably have episode two of this out at the normal weekend time. But the third one of the series, of the series, the last one, we'll probably put that out uh, a midweek drop. It could be a Wednesday or a Thursday. Uh, because we think the final episode is going to knock your socks off. Um, there's some stuff there we think you'll really love. But B, it is towards the end of the show. We go into tribute oh, songs. You had oh, something you I've want to I've just
1: remembered. I just remembered ah. <laughs> um, people's tributes for Michael for the 22nd. Correct. And we're yes, now in November. Please, yes. So yeah. um, we've not had that many actually. So come on, guys. I don't know if you're all a bit shy. Don't be shy. Let's just um, read, let, record let, and let I me think,
2: know. I think make, let's make it simple. For everybody, like mm. I think maybe the emailing in and then having to yeah, follow up, where we can
1: or, read them out, that's fine.
2: No, no, no. What I was going to say, I think we said, I'll oh, email us in and then we'll come up with a way to record it. But is there something simple on Messenger or something we could get them to do a little sound bite and send in?
1: Yeah, that's uh, easy enough because we were going to let everybody do that, but um, yeah, I've had a few, I've had a yeah. few, but um, yeah, just don't, don't, don't leave it to the last minute either. Yeah,
2: okay, so. You know, if I'm a, an average listener, I'm in Akron, Ohio, and I'm not a patron. Uh, how would I get onto Messenger and send it in to us? Is there uh, a way? Is there a possibility they can do that? I'm sure they can, can't they?
1: If you're a friend of ours, you can send it. I think. Yeah. yeah otherwise, you'll just have to let us know that you've sent it. That or can I get
2: onto the website and post it on the website or post in the blog area? Is there a way there they can do it? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Well, we'll I don't edit know. This out.
1: Maybe <laughs> <laughs> you can probably um, well, take your phone and
2: send it to me. So, we'll do, so we could do it this way. Like you can send it to my phone personally, you know, through Messenger. You know, I'm Hayden Murdoch. You can send it to B through Messenger. Um, if you're becoming a friend, you know, obviously there's probably going to be a reason to become a friend. You know, an in excess link or whatever there, and and we can get these out. But uh to all of our existing patrons, I guess it's over to you guys to step up, okay, and get your words in because. Uh, this will go out to the band and the band will listen to this. And I know we've got some great little ditties that even Andrew's contributed to it and Tim and Kirk already uh, about Michael as well. So we can't have just them on it. We want the fans there too. So mm-hmm. patrons, get off the butt and pull your fingers out. Time of the episode where we do a tributes going out. And I was thinking, how could we sort of, you know, shape the interview we've had today with Mark and with uh, Andrew, and a theme that is befitting our tribute song. I thought what we could do, uh, particularly, is do questions and then the segue into Heaven Sent. Play both songs because they really have the fingerprints of both Andrew and Mark's skills over them. And I'll explain. Um, Andrew uh, did the vocal on Questions. Andrew was very excited not to put a big, you know, uh, four to the floor rock stomper on there like all the other albums. He was really driving the song "Questions" and he wrote it and sung on it, uh, and it's a great sort of entry to the album. But then, you know, Mr. Opitz comes in, and before even "Questions" is finishing, he's ripped in. Steve Wayne, <laughs> no time to go to the the toilet on that. There's no little mini interlude; straight into "Heaven Sent." Uh, with a great upfront guitar thing. Yes, and and it's just that great production skill that Mark mm, has of amazing you know, seam songs into each other. So, yeah. So we will go out with questions and segue nicely into Heaven Sent. Uh, But, B, it's a goodbye from me.
1: And it's a goodbye from B. Goodbye, everybody.